Once again, happy Mother's Day. Just want to thank you moms. I was, I was watching uh, TV the other night and a commercial came on where a bunch of celebrities just wanted to say thanks to their mom and happy Mother's Day, that kind of thing. They all talked about their mom for just 10 seconds or so. And, and the unifying thought that went through the whole thing was this. You know, my mom always put her own needs last and our needs first as kids. And I think so many people who had good moms have that story to tell. That seems to be sort of the mark of a good mom, that, that she cares more about her family than she does about herself. She takes better care of her family than she takes care of herself. And, and when you think of a good mom, I hope you think of Jesus, because he's the one that said uh, that the greatest among you shall be the servant of all. And so... Moms, we just want to thank you once again for all that you do to take care of us and all that you do to minister to us as families, and we are thankful, thankful, thankful for our moms. So I hope you'll do something to make Mother's Day special for your mom today. Well, as we get into the Word, uh, let me just ask you, I don't know if it's just me, uh, but have you noticed that it seems like with this whole COVID-19 thing, the natives are starting to get restless? Uh, it seems like there's uh, protests all the time that you're seeing on the news now. There's uh, uh, news conferences happening all, all over your social media feed. People are giving opinions about what's going on. People are starting to get itchy to get out there again. As somebody who drives in and out to the church uh, facility almost every day, I've noticed the traffic has picked up significantly. That tells me people are not staying at home as much as they were. Some people think we are... Uh, being way too careful with this whole thing. And then there's the other people who think we're not being nearly careful enough and, and that we need to be more careful. And uh, the truth is that some people think we're overreacting, some people think we're underreacting. But the bottom line is, I think it's frustrating for all of us because it's beyond our control. And it is frustrating when you feel like you're not in control of your own life especially as Americans. We're so used to all of this freedom and to feel like you're being told you can and can't do certain things. It is frustrating for us. And I was thinking about that this week and I remembered that most of the best things in my life that have happened were actually out of my control. <laughs> most of the great things that have happened in my life, I didn't plan them, I didn't make them happen. They just seem like accidents. Let me give you an example. Uh, 2006, I was taking some classes at the seminary at APU, and uh, our church had just turned the property that we had had for many years over to our Korean congregation, and the English-speaking congregation needed a new place to worship, and the deadline was coming soon, and we were going to need a place. And I bump into a guy who I had never met before. His name is Miguel Arciniega. And uh, he and I had a mutual friend, and he says to us, hey, if you happen to know any churches that are looking for a property, let me know, because uh, I have a church property that I'm looking to give away to a good church. And, and that's the reason Grace Fellowship is in Duarte today. That's the reason for so much of the ministry that has taken place. There was a great little church that had been here for a long time, but they had gotten to the place where they felt the Lord was leading them to actually turn the property over to a church that was healthier and more ready to reach the community. And we happened to be that church. And how did that happen? 
because I bumped into a guy I had never met before, and that changed everything. When I think about my life, you know, um, I am married to the greatest woman in the world. This month, we're celebrating our 34th wedding anniversary, and we have great kids and wonderful grandkids, and we have just had this blessed family. And you know how we met? We just bumped into each other at a church of 15,000 people. We, we just happened accidentally to be put in the same small group when we were in college, and we met that way, and the rest, as they say, is history, and my wife ended up with such an amazing husband. It's incredible, isn't it? I think about kids, you know. I read, I read an article this week that said that 50% of pregnancies in America are not planned by the parents. And so uh, some of you are sitting there thinking, yep, I know, I was an accident. And, and, and that's an interesting thing. I, I have a brother, uh, he was an accident, and I'm happy to remind him of it all the time. Uh, my parents had two kids, and then they were done. Ten years goes by, and then there's an oops kid, and that's my brother Eric. And uh, to this day, I always remind him that he's an accident, and uh, he always reminds me that I wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for the fact that he was born and needed a playmate. So, uh, the, But here's the thing. There's really no accidents in that sense, is there? I mean, the truth is that God was working behind the scenes in all of those situations, especially when we're talking about children. The scripture makes it clear that God is the one who brings every pregnancy to be. God is the one who knits every child together in the womb. So you may not have been planned by your parents, or you may have a child that was not planned by you, but God planned, and God created, and God gave that gift. Just because you or I don't plan something, it doesn't mean that it's unplanned. And since some of the best things that have happened in our lives were unexpected, why do we get so stressed out when things happen that are beyond our control? Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to Psalm 127. Now, you're going to need your Bibles handy. We're going to be jumping around to several passages this week. But I want you to be with me in Psalm 127. And we're going to begin... And just look at the first two verses with me of Psalm 127. Here's what it says. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. In other words, the builders think it's all about their building. The watchman thinks it's all about his watching. But if the Lord doesn't do it, it doesn't matter, does it? Listen to verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early and to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. See, I love that verse. It gives us this picture that we try to keep things in control. We want to be in control, but guess what? We're not. And to be honest, as your pastor, I have been struggling with this lately. I have really been starting to struggle with the fact that um, I'm just hearing about you. And some of you I'm not even hearing about. I don't get the pleasure of greeting people on Sunday mornings and looking in your eyes and shaking your hand and saying, how's it going? And, and praying with you and, and all of those kinds of things. And it's really starting to weigh on me because I love the church. I love the people of the church. 
you know, it's my job as a pastor to help you grow spiritually. It's my job to help you become mature in Christ. But you know what? That's really beyond my control. So what am I supposed to do? Paul had the same challenge. Uh, he was in a Roman prison. He couldn't be with the flock that he had been pastoring. And he writes the book of Ephesians, a letter to the church at Ephesus, in order to share his heart with them, to give them some truth. I want to read you, and if you happen to catch my devotional this week, I was in Ephesians chapter 1. Let me read for that again. Let me read that again for you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. This is what Paul writes from a Roman prison to the people that he loves and wishes he could be with. He says, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened and that you will know what is the hope of his calling what is the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. So he opens his letter telling them, look, I can't be with you, but I do pray for you. And what does he pray for? He prays that God would do in them the things that only God can do. And then you just skip a, a, a chapter, go to chapter 3, and in Ephesians chapter 3, you, you have a very similar thing. Look what he says, verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to, his riches, to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Grace Fellowship, that's how I pray for you. That you would be filled up with the knowledge of God that you would grow in the presence of Christ, that your relationship with him would blossom. That's my prayer for you. And you know what? I can't make that happen. I could preach the best sermons ever, and it doesn't make that happen. I could see all of you every day. I could counsel with you all, and I can't make that happen. Only God can make that happen. It's out of my control. So what can I do? I pray. <laughs> And that's how I pray for you. It's easy to stress out about the things we can't control. This Mother's Day, I know I'm speaking to a ton of moms out there who want nothing more than for their children to be walking with Jesus. And maybe some of your children are not. And some of you mothers know the pain of that. It's excruciating to see your kids ignoring the blessings of relationship with God, and you cannot make it change. All you can do is pray, which, by the way, when all you can do is pray, you can do a lot. But you, you, you want to get in there. You want to get through to them. You want to change their hearts. But you can't do it. Only God can change a heart. There's so many things I want to fix. I want to fix the COVID-19 situation. 
I want to fix world hunger. I want to fix the UCLA football program. But there are some things that are so far beyond my control. It's comforting to realize, though, God doesn't hold me accountable for the things that only he can do. Let me say that again because I think it could be life-changing if you could get it in your heart. God doesn't hold you accountable for the things that only he can do. And so when you realize that there are things that only he can do, then you have to begin being willing to do the things that you can do and not fret about the things you can't do. Because God can be trusted with those things. Proverbs 69 says, The mind of man makes his plans, but God directs his steps. There's a really important truth in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. And, and let me just give you a little glimpse of that verse. Here's what it says. It is required of a steward that one be found faithful. This idea of stewardship is used throughout the scripture, especially the New Testament. Jesus talks about it all the time. And he says that we are really stewards of what God has gifted us with. And it's our responsibility to use them in the ways that God would want us to use them, whether it's our money, our talent, our knowledge, our wisdom, our relationships, our influence, whatever. We're stewards of those things. And, and he tells us what's required of us as stewards. To be found faithful. To be found trustworthy. See, the outcome is not what God will judge us on. The outcome is up to God. But the faithfulness depends upon us. And he holds us accountable to that. And that's all. My hope today is to encourage you. And, and I, I know I say this a lot, but when I talk about encouraging someone, I'm not talking about flattery. I'm not talking about pats on the back. I'm talking about infusing you with courage to encourage. I, I want you to face what you're facing today with courage, with an understanding of the perspective that God gives. I mean, think about this. Think about the heroes of the Bible, the ones that come quickly to your mind, right? When you think Bible heroes, somebody like Moses, right? Moses, who, who stands before the Red Sea and raises his staff and the waters split and he leads the children of Israel out of slavery and toward freedom uh, on, the, on the dry land that has been made at the bottom of the Red Sea. It's an incredible story. What a hero. Or David who as even a young boy has the courage to trust God enough that when there is a, a giant warrior who is taunting God and the armies of God, he says, I will face that giant because I will not allow that kind of talk about my God. I'm going to do something about it. And God kills a giant through a little boy and changes the course of a nation. What a hero. Or think about Daniel. And all that happened with him in Babylon, whether it's the way that he confronted kings or whether it's his willingness to even go into the lion's den and come out safe. What a hero. Or Elijah, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, facing the 850 prophets, false prophets, satanic priests, and calling down the fire of God from heaven. What a heroic thing. 
We could take courage because those guys I just mentioned are not the heroes of their stories. God is. David did not kill Goliath. God killed Goliath through David. I've seen articles, there's even a book that was written recently about the strategy of David and how he used strategy and warfare in order to defeat Goliath. Listen, that may all be true, but let me tell you something. If God doesn't guide that stone, then Goliath doesn't fall. And if God doesn't guide uh, Moses, the children of Israel don't come out of Egypt. It wasn't Moses who parted the sea. It was God. In fact, when God came to Moses and challenged him with the opportunity for the ministry that he had called him to, to lead the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, what did Moses do? He made every excuse in the book. And you know what? He was right. He said, listen, I'm slow of speech. I have a stuttering problem. You, I can't speak to anybody. I don't have any experience. I don't have the power. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. And you know what God said? I am. You see, God was the one who was going to lead them out. God was the one who was going to part the sea. God was the one who was going to provide for them in the wilderness. It was never Moses' responsibility. It is required of a steward that one be found faithful. That he does what God asks him to do. But the outcome, that's in the power of God. And so we should take courage. Not because we are so great and so strong and so powerful and so wise in our planning, but because God is. You guys uh, know who Chuck Norris is. I'm sure you do. I looked this up this week. Chuck Norris is 80 years old. And I am still afraid of him. He is 80 years old. He has three black belts in three different martial arts. And he is still considered the toughest guy in the world. I bet his children never got picked on when they were growing up. Chuck Norris is a tough guy. He has a, a cabin with a fireplace and there's a grizzly bear rug in front of the fireplace. The bear's not dead, it's just afraid to move. When the boogeyman goes to bed, yeah, you're right, you're gonna get him, here they come. When the boogeyman goes to bed, he checks his closet for Chuck Norris. You know that when ghosts gather around a campfire, they tell Chuck Norris stories. <laughs> you think his kids were afraid at school? I don't think so. Somehow, I don't think so. Listen, <laughs> you're like, wow, Pastor Doug is gone. This has nothing to do with what he's talking about. Watch this, watch this. I'm going to bring it back. Listen, if you're a Christian... I have a question for you. Do you know who your dad is? Have you forgotten who your father is? Let me read to you. We're still in Ephesians, right? We, we ended in verse 19. Let's pick it up in verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Listen to what it says. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or even think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, to him 
who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we could ask or even think. He is able. Our God is truly awesome. He's all you need. I love what it says in Psalm 46. Yep, let's flip back to Psalm real quick. Psalm 46. Check this out. Beginning in verse 1. We're going to read the whole psalm. It's short. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear. Though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Though the waters roar and foam. Though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nation made an uproar and the kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolation on the earth. Who makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, says God. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. It's an amazing psalm. It just reminds us of who it is that we are in relationship with. Wars, no problem for him. Armies, not an issue. He causes the earth to quake. He causes the water to flow. And one day he will melt the earth with an incredible heat because he is God and he holds all power. But that God, with all that power, all that might, all that strength, and yes, all that wrath, that God chooses to extend an olive branch to us who are sinners. That in His grace, we can trust Him, who has the power to destroy us, to instead lift us up and provide for us in our every need. Our God is truly an awesome God. Friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can relax and stop worrying. You can cease striving because you know that he is God. And you don't cease striving because you've got it all figured out. You don't cease striving because you're able to fix everything. You don't cease striving because you have all the wisdom, but because God does. You don't see striving because you're so powerful, but because God is. Your job? To be faithful. It's required of a steward that won't be found faithful. God's job? To take care of the outcome. It's God's job to change the world. Around here we have a motto, loving God, loving people, and changing the world. We think that's what the church is all about. But listen... You don't change the world. You love God, you love people, and God changes the world through you. 
Today's Mother's Day. And every year on Mother's Day, I have the same dilemma. I, I want to do a meal for my wife because she usually makes the meals and all of that kind of stuff. But I want to do a meal for my wife where she doesn't have to worry about it. She doesn't have to buy any food. She doesn't have to do any of the cooking. She doesn't have to wash any of the dishes. She doesn't have to do any of it, right? And so I, I tell her, listen, don't worry, because today, me and the kids, we're making lunch. Don't worry. It's going to be great. And I don't just make peanut butter and jelly. I want to do something great, something she can love. And so, you know, I'm in there trying to whip up a Coco Vaughn, you know, or, or some sort of, uh, you know, great dessert or something like that. And I know what she's thinking. She's thinking it every year. She's thinking, look, I could have a terrible lunch prepared by my husband. Or I could go and make it myself. <laughs> and I don't know if it's much of a blessing. And I thought about it and I thought about it. Because you know what? Her point of view makes sense. Because she knows me. And I don't know my way around that kitchen. If I'm to cook, I have to come out every two minutes and ask her, hey, where's a ladle? Hey, where's a baking pan? Hey, where, how, how do I find this spice? She might as well do it herself. It's no rest for her. So I have good news for you, Christy, if you're watching today. Today, I'm not making you lunch. Today, I'm stopping at a restaurant on the way home and bringing you lunch, and you're going to like it a whole lot better. See, my wife has every reason to not trust me to do a great meal. Because she has a history with me. But God is not like that. Scripture doesn't say cease striving and know that your husband will handle everything. It says cease striving and know that I am God. It doesn't say cease striving and know that your sickness is going to be healed. It says, cease striving and know that I'm God. It doesn't say cease striving because your job is going to take care of itself and everything is going to work out. It says, cease striving and know that I am God. It doesn't say cease striving and know that your kids are going to experience all the blessings in life and eternity that you want them to have. But it does say, Cease striving and know that I am God. So in these uncertain times, I urge you to take courage. If you know Christ, the God who parted the Red Sea is your God. If you know Christ, the God who put Goliath to the ground is your God. If you know Christ, the God who raised Jesus from the dead is your God. Same God, same power. And he is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we could ask or even think. If you know Christ, you can cease striving because you know that he is God. But perhaps you're listening today and you'd have to admit, I don't know Christ. I know about him. I've heard about him. But I've never really entered into a personal relationship with him. I've never really accepted his gift of eternal life. I've, I've been doing it my own way. I've been striving. I've been striving. I've been striving. And as you've been striving, you realize that 
you're always going to be striving. I have a word of encouragement for you today. That same God who did all those miraculous things, he's the God who changed my life. He's the God who changed the life of every believer that you know. And he is the same God who will change your life if you will but put your trust in him. Take him at his word. He says you're a sinner. You're going to have to agree with that. He says that you need a savior. You're going to have to accept that offer of salvation. Jesus came and died on the cross. Why? Because you couldn't pay the price for your sin and I couldn't pay the price for my sin. He paid the price for us. It's not about your striving. Really more than anything, it's about your surrender and letting your heavenly father pick you up and carry you. He offers you eternal life. And all you have to do is invite Jesus into your heart today and begin to follow him. He offers that to each and every one of us. I pray that in the quiet of your own home, in the quiet of your own heart, you would do that today. Because he is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we could ask or even think, even in your life. So take a deep breath. And exhale it out. Relax. Cease striving. And know that he is God. Happy Mother's Day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you now. Nothing in our hands to offer you. Only needs to bring to your feet. But you are able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we could ask or even think. And so, Father, we call upon you now. In those areas of our lives where we are struggling to let go, those things that we think we have to control, God, I pray that you would take those things from us. Take that burden from us. Your word says that we can come to you and exchange our burden for yours, and your burden is light. And so, Father, we just really pray that you would lift this burden off of so many people who are struggling under the weight of it today. Lord, our needs are beyond our control, but you are within our reach. And so we say hallelujah. We reach out to you, and we thank you for meeting our needs. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.